back in the chair before it clicks. This chair has a bad habit of popping. I feel like I'm going to fly off of it backwards. One of these days I'm going to sit down and just fly backwards and that'll be the sermon. Because <laughs> I won't be able to preach, I'm sure. Amen. You know, it's been neat here because it feels like there's been something building, right? Just something's been building up. And um, week after week I come in and we've been having teaching that seems to kind of set foundations and go to the next level or build on the ones before to the next ones. There's something going on. I see the activity around us. I hear what some of your visions are and some of your heartbeats are. And some of you guys have been sharing things that you want to do this year that really just speak to me. And I'm, I'm blown away. There's something stirring. And then I hear these reports back of going to Mama Lodi and Virtue's stories. I know she's ruined. You need to be ruined. You know, once you do this kind of thing one time, you can't, you, you come back and you're like, how, how am I supposed to exist here? You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Are you in that place where you're like, how do I get back to normal? Well, the answer is don't, you know, get back to normal because this is the new normal, right? And so what we have to do is notice that God's doing something. Notice that something is building. Notice that, that, that Lisa is a celebrity in Kenya, apparently, you know. This is true. She's on TV and everything. I don't know, man. People write me about her. I'm like, what? <laughs> I know her, you know. Can I get your autograph later? But, I mean, it's just, and I'm picking with her, but it really is awesome to see what God's done in this building process, these foundations. Things that we've seen about each other for years we're seeing take place. I remember when we talked about these exact things years ago, and you were exiting the summit. And she left and took another job, and I was telling her, you never know if God might bring you back and put you over the whole doggone thing. And daggone if he didn't do it, you know? I mean, it's amazing to see what God can do. There's something building. And people are moving in and settling in and getting homes. There's a buying into the community. Every time that happens, it seems like someone gets more entrenched into this community God's called us to. Something's happening. Isn't it interesting? I've, I'm very excited because there's something going on that I haven't seen in at least a decade or more. And from here, from this point, what's taking place is somewhere I've never been before. And so these teachings and these talks we're having about the kingdom over the next while, and even this one today, they're so foundational to who we are. So I hope you'll, you'll get some nuggets from this um, today. I hope that you'll hear some things that will really affect you even more, and they'll even help frame some of the experiences you're having right now. And again, for you guys who are going through these transitions, if things are going on in your lives that are just foundationally changing you, whether it's getting a home for the first time or settling down with a new job or a new position or a new opportunity or a new activity you've done, or maybe it's even doing a mission or a ministry, or maybe it's God's calling you back to something that you've forgotten. Whatever it is right now, my, my request is this. Do not get over it. Don't let it pass. Sit in it. Oftentimes in the kingdom, <clears throat> when we experience God's movement in our lives and he's doing stuff in us, he's talking. And, and you know what? When you're in a place of transition, often you hear God better than when you're settled in a regular place. The kingdom is better able to interact with us when we are moving and in motion. We hear better. You hear him better whenever you're just a little off your your norm, right? Get out of your comfort zone a little bit, and then all of a sudden your ears open up. Oh, you know? Something happens bad or good, and then you hear better. You know what I'm talking about? Don't move quickly, whether bad or good. 
recognize that the biggest blessing in the world is that he's talking and that you can hear. You get what I'm saying? It's a very powerful place. Change. Transition. Change for change's sake will kill you. Change for the sake of the kingdom will kill you. <laughs> but not the same kind of kill. <laughs> It'll make that, that fleshly man die and the spirit man come to life. Right? Make sense? So it's not change for change's sake. When you're going through it as a believer, God's doing something. Stay there. You know, it's the difference between microwave cooking and oven cooking. Right? I mean, a lot of people, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. A lot of people want microwave grace. They want to know that in one minute they get what they want. and they want, I want character, Jesus. Bing! I got character. You know? I mean, you, you want, you're like, okay, you know, it's like bowl, you know the bowl in the bag rice or the, um, if you've ever done macaroni and cheese in the microwave? You get frustrated because on the box it says 13 minutes. You're like, why is this supposed to take 13 minutes? I can have meat in two minutes. Why is it I got to take that long on rice and pasta? You know, there's nothing in rice and pasta will necessarily make you sick if it's not overcooked. And so you're like 13 minutes putting it on your, you get frustrated at 13 minutes worth of cooking to get your rice or your, or your pasta. Yet when it comes to baking, it's much better. You're, you can baste something, you can bake it, you can stovetop cook, and that tastes good too because because the, 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 the features and the flavors get saturated, right? You know what I'm talking about? Whenever the, the salt really cooks into the green beans. And listen, if you cook green beans from where I come from, that's butter, salt, possibly some pork product. <laughs> Huge chunk of it, most likely. <laughs> some big byproduct. You don't, you never know. I mean, if it's grannies, you know it's going to be bacon drippings. So, and, and you get it and it cooks in, it tastes awesome. It tastes better than sticking in the microwave, doesn't it? You know, my favorite kind of cooking is, is in a crock pot. It really is. You know why? Because in a crock pot, you stick that chunk of meat. You could put in, like, rawhide dog chews or something in there that are hardcore rough. Put some seasoning in there. You put some beef stuff and stock, and then you add a couple things and stick that stuff on all day long. It goes for, like, eight hours, and that junk tastes good. Now, I haven't done dog chews. But I have done really bad meat, you know, like the really tough meat, the stuff that's cheap at the grocery store because I am a penny pincher baby. So, you know, here I'm getting this cheap meat, I'm throwing it in there, and, and I let, and actually Lori throws it in there, I'm going to tell the truth. But anyways, so, <laughs> she's going to tell the truth later, and then y'all never believe me again about anything I say. So, Lori throws it in there. <laughs> Back in the day, I threw it in there, but I got married, so there you go. So, and then she took over, and I'm thankful for that. So, but you throw it in there, and it, and it cooks all day long. And it, and it just, you get back, and it doesn't matter how tough it is. The toughest meat put in that process over the right amount of time with the right seasoning gets the right saturation, gets the right tenderness, and tastes great. Doesn't it? If you've never had crock pot food, you need it. I don't want a kingdom in a microwave. I don't need microwave grace. It just doesn't taste good. I'm not hurrying through my pain anymore. I'm not hurrying through my change. I'm not hurrying through the transitions as well. I want to settle in and hear. I want to live as big as I can and as much as I can in every moment without passing through quickly. In every single moment, I want to live full. Does that make sense? And then in the process of crockpotting this grace into us, he takes the hardness of our hearts and softens us and make us, makes us who we're called to be. 
I embrace all of it. I love this part of life. It's tough. I struggle with it. Sometimes I say I hate it. A lot of times I say I hate it when I've got allergies. But the truth is, is that this is the crock pot. Welcome to it. Don't take yourself out. This is the good part. You're going to be tasty here in a minute, right? And you know, saturation is something we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, we're talking about Jesus' first message. Last week was the introduction to the kingdom. We talked about what the kingdom is, you know, what it's filled with. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of heaven. It's heaven to come. It's heaven that's now. And heaven is overlapping earth. It already exists. And Jesus has said we should pray that heaven should happen now just like it, does, it will in the future. That should be our prayer, you know. It's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying a framing of the kingdom into the current era. When he prays that and when we're praying it, we don't know it. I mean, you know, right now, I'm guaranteeing because I grew up Methodist and Baptist church. And the Methodist church all over the place right now, they're praying that prayer during this hour at some point. Right? And as they pray that prayer, Papa's going, exactly. It's exactly what I want. And as the church prays that prayer, Papa wants to do that prayer. The prayer is not just a good idea. It is a command of form of prayer. It's a framework. And Jesus was literally, when he's praying it, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's framing it as like, Lord, first to your glory and your honor and your praise. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. He's literally thinking, I see Jesus as he's praying, he's going, your kingdom come. And he's pointing out the space of Israel. And he's pointing out the space of the land masses in his mind. Your kingdom come, your will be done to the ends of the earth. And in this place, saturating this moment just like it is in heaven. As if heaven was saturating in that crockpot moment of prayer. And the spirit of God and the, the kingdom of heaven was invading that space and softening the land and the hearts of men. And it was all around them. You know what saturation is? Saturation is where if you take an empty vacuum place and you put in a gas or particles, it fills up. And the level of saturation is equal to how many particles or how much is in that space, right? Pretty much. I'm giving it a dumbed-down version. That's it's pretty much a dumbed-down concept of saturation. And you can think of a sponge. A sponge being filled, the water filling up all the crevices and the extra space and the empty space is saturating, Right? That's a basic. And saturation of the kingdom is just how much of the presence of God comes into a space. And how much of the kingdom of God is available in that space. Does that make sense? In our crockpot experience of life, the, the hope is, is that we will sit in the stew until we're saturated with Papa. So that beside every molecule of dust, and there's a molecule of Jesus. And that he begins to overtake and there's one or two molecules more of Jesus than Dustin. It doesn't just equal out. It goes over the top. Until it gets so saturated that it kind of just oozes out. And that's what it means when Jesus says, John 10.10, 10, I want you to have life and life more abundantly. So that's the crux of the kingdom. But just in a nutshell. And the things that come with the kingdom, the side effects of the kingdom, the side effects of God's rule and reign in us and in our area, saturating who we are, the side effects are... Well, the broken, 
are, are healed. The lame walk, the deaf hear, there's sight for the blind, there's prisoners that are set free. These are the basics. Jesus gave this framework in Luke 4. He said that it started when he sat in front of them and read the scroll. Do you get it? So with that said, let's look real quick to this verse. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use, I'm going to, I'm going to use whatever passage I could find because my daughter had my Bible. She sure did. I didn't know she got it, but she did apparently. Hold on one second. <laughs> Kids are equalizers, man. You think you're really good and cool, and then they get your Bible, and then you're like, what was I talking about? Okay, I got it. I got it. I found it. <laughs> you ready? Mark. I was looking at the Matthew passage and the Mark passage, and I thought, well, I'll do the Mark passage. I mean, the, yeah, the Mark passage of the Matthew, because I like the way it says it. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It's the first message of the kingdom. The first message of the kingdom. It says, <clears throat> after John was put in prison, John the Baptist went to prison. Jesus had been baptized. Jesus had, you know, been proclaimed in the temple. It says, after now... John had been put in prison. Jesus has also been tempted. He went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand or it's near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. And then in Matthew it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the message is kind of two parts. The kingdom of heaven is nearby or at hand and repent. Now, we don't like repent anymore because it's such a mean word, isn't it? I used to have a shirt that said repent on it with an exclamation point when I worked at Blood and Fire because we, were, we worked in the inner city and you guys, you know some of the stories. We did crazy stuff. <laughs> stuff that should have gotten me killed. By the grace of God, I'm still here. But anyway, so at Blood and Fire, we had these shirts and they were really offensive. But they said whatever, and it would draw people to conversation. And one time I was wearing my repent shirt, and I usually didn't just wear it out to go hang out, you know, but I wore it one day going out to the mall. And I was walking through the mall, and can you imagine? I'm not even having to preach, but I'm walking around the mall, and all it says, repent, repent. Everybody walking by is saying, repent, repent, you know. One guy walks up and goes, what is your problem, man? And yells at me. I'm like, huh? I didn't remember the shirt was on. I was like, huh? And so I was sitting there. I was like, I don't have a problem with you, man. He goes, seriously. What is your problem, dude? Get off yourself. And he walks off. And I was like, I look over, and I was with one of my pastors, you know. I was like, what was that about? He's like, look at your shirt, man. I was like, <laughs> repent. So, you know, it's an offensive term. It is so offensive. And it really bothers us to see it, especially when there are things we need to deal with, doesn't it? You know? And I never meant it that way. I'm just not quite a kind of person. But... At the same time, repent is such a harsh word whenever you have things that you're holding near and dear that you don't want to let go. But what is repent, really? You tell me. What does repent mean? Remorse for? That's, that's a good beginning of repent, wouldn't you say, Jack? Which, by the way, Patrick, that's the first time you answered one of my questions. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Good job, bud. Good job. I'm so proud of you, Jack. Change of heart or direction. Yep. Yeah. Change, change of heart or direction. Repent. And, and literally, it's, it's a turning fully from what 
is bad or what, what you were in. And it doesn't have to be bad. To repent from a decision, it may not be bad. It means that you just turn full from it, you know? And God repented of a decision to kill the Israelites, we know, whenever Moses went and interceded for them. He said, I'm going to destroy this people and make a new country from you. And Moses said, don't do this, God. Don't let this be in your heart for these people. I know they're wrong and they're unholy. And in God's holiness, he could not have union with them. That's what was going on. It, it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But in, in Moses' wisdom that God had given him, he recognized that people on the earth would say stuff about it. See, you brought them out just to kill them. He really hated the Israelites. And so he said, you know, turn from this, don't do it. He became an intercessor and actually says in the Bible that God repented of his decision. He turned from it. He wasn't in sin. He just turned from it. He turned 100% from that decision. And then at that point, we assume that God full on decided, no matter what, I'm going to take this people through this desert. You get it? So repent can be good or bad. And actually, it's always good, I think. The usage of it's always good. And, and, and one thing about repentance, one last thing about repentance, and then I'll hit these little points I've got. But in repentance, it's so healthy to repent. The, the, the more I grow in Jesus, the more I like it when I get to repent. Whenever I start to feel a stoppage or a blockage in my faith life, I'm, I start wondering, what is it, God? And then I start seeking out those who are mentors of mine or older than me, or they just show up like, you know, some of my friends in Kenya. Sometimes they'll call and they'll be like, you know, servant of God. And I'm like, yes. And then I know it's coming. Mama, she's praying for you. And she said, fill in the blank. And, and the last time it was like, there are things you have to give up right now to focus on spending more with Jesus. You know, I go, okay, thanks for that. And I know what it is. And, and actually, instead of being that way, I'm like, wow, good, good answer. Thanks, God, for sending someone to point out the exact issue. They pull out the log that's the log jam, and then all of a sudden things free flow. You begin to like it when you find his chastening. Does that make sense? When you're maturing in the faith, the chastening feels good. You don't hide from it. You kind of desire it. Does that sound weird? It just is what it is. Does that make sense? And so the truth is, is that that's something we need. We need to long for that repentance. I long for it. I love it. And it actually, one last thing. I promise, I promise. But this is about grace and repentance. Have you noticed that when you find yourself constantly in repentance... And finding God, find new things so that you can grow bigger, faster, and gain more inside as a, as a servant for the Lord. That the next thing you find is that you want to give more grace when people find repentance. Like you start seeing things in people's lives and you want to talk to them. And you don't want to go, I see the log in your eye. You know, you know. The only reason why I know what that's like is because I kind of used to feel that way sometimes. And it's true. Let's get that out, brother. Mm, you know, this is going to take a lot of work. But, uh, you know, you feel like your log is so big and you look at your brother and sister in the faith and you just think they got issues. You don't realize that the reason why you're responding to their issues is because you got issues yourself. Ah. But when you allow God to use people to pull out those issues and you find yourself in that repentance place, what starts to happen? You start seeing your brother's sin or their problems or their log gems or their, even their little teeny specks. 
And instead of wanting to rebuke them harshly, you find yourself coming beside them and just being with them. And then they turn. And when they find out what it is, when it's revealed to them, they turn and they're like, I just need to be free. And I feel so bad. And then you turn around and you're like, you feel bad about what? This is great. Welcome home in a little way. Welcome back to the walk. Welcome back on target with the journey. Yeah, bring it. Me and you both, baby, you know. It's all about being in a broken place. It's broken people ministering to broken people. Now, does that make sense before I go on? You're able to extend grace in the broken place to broken people when you recognize your brokenness and you're able to allow God minister to you in it. Okay? All right, you're shaking your head. Yeah, so I'm assuming you're getting it. All right. So it's a turning, like a 180-degree turning. It's an eye-opening, paradigm-shifting kind of thing. It's where there's revelation that takes place in repentance. Repentance cannot happen unless God reveals to someone. Have you ever, okay, moms, I'm going to pick on you a minute. Moms and dads, have you ever known that your kid needs to repent of something? You know, you know what I'm talking about. And they take the car out and they leave it empty and it has no gas in it. Repent. You know, or they do other things. You know, like they don't do their chores. Repent. Or they spill something in the refrigerator. It goes down the back of it. And they pretend like it never happened. Until it grows a green trail down the back. Repent. You know, it could be whatever. I mean, there's a million different things. You know what they are. I'm not going to get on them, but you fill in the blank. We are not able to get through to our kids nor each other. By telling each other just what's going on. You, need, you know, your problem is, is you didn't clean that. Is that really the problem? What's really the problem? The problem is not that they won't clean up or fill the tank. The problem is, is they don't take ownership. And the reason why they don't take ownership is because they haven't bought into that concept. The reason why they haven't bought into that concept is because they don't recognize who they really are. You're going to inherit that car and that refrigerator when I'm gone. You better make it last. Oh, and you know, revelation always takes place when that kid gets their first house, right? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me tell you a story real quick, and this is from Wayne and and Joseph, I'll just tell you, Um, but that's my brother-in-law and father-in-law, and and Wayne, (laughs) Wayne, Wayne has a lot of patience. The man is a saint of God, you know? I mean, the dude is like, he's amazing, Saint Wayne, I call him. My father-in-law, really, no joke. Love the dude. He's going to be canonized when he dies, right? Just for little things. And one of the little things is, is like his son, Joseph, whom you guys know, he's hilarious. Back in the day, Joseph, you know, when he lived at the parents' house, I knew them in that interaction. I used to be hanging out at the house. And Joseph would come in as kind of like Kramer would come in. Barbara knows this is the truth. But he'd come in, boom, the door would fly open. He'd get stuff out of the cabinets. He'd drink something out of the refrigerator. And the door would stay open with air conditioning on or whatever. I mean, flies are coming. I'm like, yo, the door. He's like, I know. You know, I mean, seriously, the door, man. And he would just just not clueless to it and eat cereal. And the door would stay open. I'd walk through. I'd close the door sometimes. Wayne saw this happen all Joseph's life. You know, this is a kid, right? So Joseph got a house, and when they moved in, Wayne told me, he said, man, it was hilarious. He said, was it that he parked a little on the grass or something? He parked a little on the grass, and he left the front door open. 
when he went in. And Joe's like, what are you doing, man? You parked up on grass, you left the door open. He's like, all my life. <laughs> you know, right? It's true, true story. Lesson learned, baby. Wayne is a wise man. St. Wayne, wise man. You can't get repentance unless you have the eye-opening paradigm. When you buy in, you recognize this one's mine. You get it? I can't make you repent. I don't want to. Actually, I love you just like you are, every single one of you. I'm serious. Just like you are, I love our church. I really do. I do. I love the, 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 the holiest ones of you and the messiest ones of you. I love you all equally. You know why? Because I love you. I love you. And when it's time for you to repent and you to move, God will do the revelation part, not me. I am not God, just in case you didn't know. Just want to fill you all in. You knew people, it's good, it's good to know. <laughs> not him. <laughs> just kidding. All right, so repent. It's something that's an eye-opening paradigm shift, and it takes place inside of us by the voice of God. When we embrace it, we become bigger people. You can tell maturity in a person by the ability to receive Rebuke and repentance. You know, we're just, we get bigger inside. It's a good thing. It's living fully. And the last thing on this, the reason why repentance must be in place for us to have the kingdom is it's very important for us to understand. There are laws in place. There are natural laws and supernatural laws. And the natural laws are just like gravity, which is fun to watch at the circus yesterday because they had this clown. His name was Mr. Gravity. And he'd make people fall down. It was fun, you know. It's fun to watch clowns fall. You laugh at them. Not fun to watch each other fall. Don't laugh at each other. But in the in this circus thing, you know, gravity's coming through and he's making everyone fall and everyone's getting back up. And then at a certain point, they say it's magic that they're able to levitate and do things above the ground and stand on wires or whatever. And really, it's just they're really skilled, right? And inside of the supernatural, there are laws just like gravity, where if you drop something, it will go to the ground. It doesn't fall up, you know? You know, I drop a pencil and it goes to the ceiling, right? That doesn't make any sense. It goes straight to the ground. Whenever God says, be holy for I am holy, there's law in place. He understands that in order to get in the middle of the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, we need to have holiness. It's the same thing that sat on top of the ark, the same thing that came down in the temple that made people fall face first and not able to stand up to minister to God. The Shekinah of glory of God is different from the Holy Spirit of God. It's different from the, just the, the concept of God the Father, or God the Spirit. There's a, a concept of glory we don't get. It is a living thing. We can't touch it. The Bible says that if we touch God's glory, it'll kill us. And the Bible says that, you know, people aren't really able to see his glory. Or they can see his glory and the backside of his glory, but they can't see his face and live. So... <clears throat> for the presence of the kingdom to be here is one thing. For that presence to be so saturated that the Shekinah glory presence of God comes through an unseen world that we're in into this natural world, it takes holiness. And thank goodness it does because if it just came, it'd kill us if we weren't holy. And it's not because God hates us that we need to be holy. And we're not to try to work for it. We become holy because he is holy, Right? It's a result, a fruit. However, the desire for holiness should be inside us. We should want to be holy, and there's a reason why. Because when we're holy, the glory can come. It can literally invade this veil we can't see. 
It'll come through. It'll saturate. It'll, we'll see his presence. It'll happen around us. Does that make sense? It may not make sense. But let me go on into the kingdom and finish this up. <clears throat> so the kingdom of God at hand that he's preaching, we talked about it being within arm's distance, which means it's accessible. It's right here, right? Now, when I'm talking about the glory, the glory is literally like, um, I, I just feel like it's the literal amount of his presence that comes through. But his, his kingdom, his presence is within finger's reach. The Bible definition of within arm's reach or it's within reach, it's at hand, it means it's right here. You don't have to go find it. You don't, it's not up in heaven. It's right here. It's accessible. So when you call on God, he doesn't have to say, all right, I'll be there in a minute. He's here. Does that make sense? Now, the Shekinah glory is the amount of that kingdom that we see come through in the present right here now. And that's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together in one place, kingdom of heaven showing up. And that, that literally in, in history, it looked like fire. It looked like glowing columns of fire or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of historic precedent for the glory of God, what it looked like. Now, I'm not necessarily sure I want that here. <laughs> I want his glory here. I'm not so sure I want to call him a fire, just being real. But it could come that way. Is that scary? Does that make sense? Do you, are you starting to understand just how extreme I believe the Bible? Okay. Now, if that scares anyone here, I got good news because I'm going to finish this on a note that's going to make you feel better about what we're talking about. <clears throat> So repent and believe the kingdom of hand, God is at hand. It's a place, this place of kingdom, this kingdom of God is a place that's constant relationship. The kingdom of heaven is the trinity. It's Trinitarian inhabitants. It's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in perfect relationship. Therefore, there's a call for us to be in perfect relationship. So if we get the understanding that just like gravity, when we become holy and we fo focus ourselves on him and his glory, then we start to walk close with each other because Jesus said, those who love me will love each other, that they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And then you find yourself naturally functioning in community. You get closer to each other. And let me put this into words where it makes sense. Have you ever noticed that the more we love Jesus in here and the more stuff God does, the more you just like each other? Have you noticed there are people in this room that when you first came, you were like, I don't know. Dude's weird. And then a couple weeks goes by and, and God just stirs in your heart here and you see this person worshiping Jesus and you recognize there's some, there's some truth to them. And you start, they, they start to gain some ground and authority even in your life and you realize, wow, they're, they're good people. They have good things. They're a little weird, but they got good things, you know. Dustin, he's really weird. But he's got good things. And then you start to open up, and the next thing you know, you start liking them. You don't want to. You just do. You know, it's like, I really don't want to like you, but you're just cool. And I love you. And then you start missing people when you're away. And then you start missing church. And you start missing relationship during the week. And then the next thing you know, you're like, man, I want to get together during the week. And you find yourself in a small group or whatever. And it just goes on and on. And community happens naturally inside of an organism that is focusing on the glory of God. They're after his presence and his glory. They want to lift him up. They want to make him known. 
as he makes himself known, and then they find themselves just loving each other more. It's a natural result. It's kind of a progression. Because when the kingdom comes through the veil, more than gifts, more than signs, more than miracles, and more than anything else, you will find that the Trinity, which is perfect community, demonstrated for us, perfect communion, perfect conversation, perfect love of a father and a son and their spirit. That interaction in them, with, between them in between us makes us work in community. You get that? So when that perfect community happens, something happens inside us that brings us to this next point. We have a new set of eyes, a new set of ears, a new mind. We have a new way of thinking. We kind of even start to feel what's going on in each other. And that literally is an outflow of kingdom. Right? Check this out. What if the way to this kind of kingdom, this kind of activity with the kingdom of God invading our life, is much more normal than what we think normal Christianity is? What if this is normal Christianity? What if, what if, we put our focus so much on God the Father and on loving each other and not on showcasing gifts or showcasing a service or programs or anything else? I mean, you pick whatever people are showcasing in churches. In our church, we, we, run, a, we run really close to starting to showcase gifts because we, we like them. We're learning about them. We want to know more about them. And what happens is, is when you do that, you kind of just focus on them. And that's not our focus, is it? The gifts are a side effect of the kingdom. Just like when I was in the Baptist church, we focused on fruit. We made lists, and we had to live by the fruit, and it was legalism. I don't focus on the fruit either. I focus on Jesus and his kingdom. And what we find is, is when you've got this paradigm shift in community, you have the side effects of the kingdom. You see people getting free. You see salvations. You see healing. You see prophetic coming through or whatever. There's no need for someone to stand up and say in the prophetic, thus saith the Lord God, and try to showcase. Just in interaction, they're able to speak the words of God. And it goes into people. It gets into them. They can go into a Walmart and function in discernment and intercession and in inside of prophetic and in healing, and no one even know that they're different. Does that make sense? Because the focus is on what? Jesus. When we focus on Jesus, we focus on his cross, we focus on Jesus, and we give space to the gifts and the fruit, and we allow ourselves to be open in the midst of each other in a safe atmosphere, then what happens is the kingdom does exactly all it's supposed to do. There's room for mistakes, but the focus needs to stay on Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, this is the last thing I have to say about this. This is the crux of our kingdom-building talks. The heartbeat of this church is the heartbeat of the vineyard, and the vineyard lately has not been great at it. I've seen extremes in the vineyard, and this if the vineyard listens to me, I'm sorry I'm saying this, but it's truth, so deal with it. But here's the deal. I see extremes in the vineyard. I see some vineyard churches that look like a postmodern church or a seeker-sensitive church or just an evangelical church. There's no functioning of gifts, and sometimes there's a missing fruit element, right? And then I see other vineyard churches over here, and some of them are talking about, you know, they're talking about the gifts and everything, but it, it's very strong, just charismatic, Pentecostal. 
And that's fine too. These are both fine. I've lived in both of these communities. I grew up in the Methodist and Baptist church. I was going to church all my life with my friend who was Pentecost, I mean, uh, Presbyterian. And um, my best friend growing up was Catholic. So there you go. I mean, I was in all those in this extreme. And then whenever I got into college, I met a lot of my friends who were Pentecostal and charismatic. And inside the movement of the renewal meetings and whatnot, that was awesome too. Love them both. But right down the dead center of it is an ability to be naturally supernatural. And I want to challenge you in this. I believe I can walk into any church today, and if God is there, I can point out gifts in action. How about them apples? I can point out in a Baptist church. I go to Johnny Hunt's church in Woodstock, Georgia. I can point out that dude is prophetic, and he is. Whether he likes it or not, doesn't matter what he wants to do, he is, you know? And I'll, I'll challenge you, you know Charles Stanley? That dude is the most discerning, caring shepherd I've ever known. Gifts in office. There you go. Oh, well, what you going to do? Whether they want it or not, it is what it is. Yet at the same time, we've got folks over here who are wearing robes and carrying these sticks in some of the churches I went to. And they said they're prophets of God, and they'd stand up, and they'd be all wrapped up and robed up and... I'm not kidding. They wore these things over their head and did whatever. I've, been, I've seen some extreme stuff. Bear with me. We're not doing that here. Good news. But they stood up, and I love them. These are people I know. I think they're great people. I don't do church like them because I want to actually function in the world. And so they stand up, and they give prophetic words, and they say, Thus saith the Lord God. Fill in the blank. Is the gift in action? Yes. Who's the focus? Who is the focus? Is it the kingdom? No. Is it Jesus? No. Is it the person, the persona, the hero? Yes. Unfortunately, it is. The reason why I can preach this message is because I've been the weirdo going to be a hero. And I've been... The frozen chosen. Didn't believe any of them worked. And now I find myself ever more and more in this place where I want to be able to function in gifts in such a way that they're attainable and accessible to every human being outside these doors. Does that make sense? One story as the worship team comes. So, it's one long story, but it's a story. Just kidding. <laughs> this week it's been a crazy week usually in my roughest weeks God does a lot of stuff it's hard to recognize what he's doing but he's doing it and I try to be available it's hard to be available but sometimes I am sometimes I'm not and I try to be balanced so I can be in whatever he's doing in season and if I tell you these stories I don't get credit for them in heaven here's the deal the more you tell about the good stuff you do, the less you get for it. But if you're using it for a teaching purpose, you have to kind of write it off and be glad you did, you know? So I'm, I'm saying this not as a brag because what it means is, is for what you see in my life that I share with you or you see in person above the sea or above the ocean in my iceberg of life, I have to have three or like three quarters more under the sea. And if, if you're comparing me to a tree, my roots have to be at least equal below ground to what they are above ground to be a person of character. 
in essence, what I'm saying is, is for what I share with you, I have to do three times as much in my secret time. So if I share with you my giving or my stories, then that means you can guess I'm not telling you all of them. If I have a lot, you think, that means, wow, you can too and you can have a lot as well, right? So this week, a couple things happened. Like, early in the week, I had stuff go on. Um, things just didn't work out. I ended up sharing my faith with someone at work. It was a really tough week, really tough week. And then on Tuesday, I believe it was, I went to pick up a bed at a place, and um, they didn't have it. I called, and I'm like, man, so I had to kind of rearrange what was going on. Patrick was with me with his truck, and I'm trying to hear God. It's one of those weeks where you're like, you're like, okay, God, you're not knowing exactly where to go, but you just pray and move as he lets you. So we decided to go to Ikea and pick up the, the, the whatever you call them. What do you call those? Box springs, yeah. They're cheaper there. So I was in Ikea getting my box springs. And um, it wasn't one of those days where I got everything done quickly. It took five hours, was it, in Ikea, Patrick? Where you at? Five hours? Was it five? five? It was almost five hours. It was a long day. So we get up, and the guy who's working on the register, things aren't working right. I'm just sitting there. What happens in me when I sense God's doing something, it used to be I'd get real excited. I'd go, woo, you know, I'd go, whoa, and I'd want to just blow. And then one of my mentors told me, he said, son, you just need to learn how to hold your liquor. All right. He's a farmer, and he's in the South. It's all right, you know, if you don't get it. But that's why he talked about the Spirit. He's like, you just need to learn how to hold your liquor. He says, why do you think I chuckle all the time? It's because the Spirit's moving. It gets me tickled, and I can't help it. But I'm not going to act like you. And I'm like, good point. <laughs> Alan Smith is a wise man. So I started learning how to hold my liquor. And I'm in this moment, which that's not going to sound good. We can't put that on the website as a training model. But it is what it is. You know, <laughs> man, we're so going to get kicked out of the vineyard after this one, I think. Lord help us. But, but anyway, so I'm learning how to hold my liquor, you know, over the years. And I'm sitting here in the moment. I'm thinking that exact thought because I feel the rise. The rise is when you start to feel your heart going and you're going, oh, don't make me do this. You know, where you're thinking, oh, God, please don't make me talk. Oh, God, please don't make me whatever. And I'm sitting there. And the longer we had to wait on this thing as the guy couldn't find it in the system, the more I realized I'm getting ready to have to talk to him, you know. So I'm sitting there, and I'm not telling Patrick anything, and um, I'm trying to be as natural as I can be. I'm dealing with my emotions, the heart, the rays of elevation, you know. And um, I look at the guy, and I said to him, I I saw his name tag, and it said Joseph. And I was like, cool name. And what had happened was is a gift kicked into play. You know, I started picking up on stuff about him. And then I realized there were certain things I probably needed to say. Now, you can ask Patrick. I didn't say, Joseph, thus saith the Lord. Because that's not going to work. Because that's going to have shutdown happen, and he's going to look at me like I got three heads and know I'm a religious guy or a weirdo, and it's all going to be over. Okay? I didn't know if he had any religious background or not. I found out in a minute he did. I said, Joseph. Like, that's a good name. He says, yeah. I said, "Um, it's the kind of name that even though you're in the dark places in life, you know that you're going to be lifted out and that there's a plan for you, right? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and then he said, what was it he said? He said the actual translation of the name. I was like, oh, it's all like Donkey Kong, you know? And I was like, aha. I was like, okay. So, Joseph, you know, what's your faith background? Where do you go to church? I just, I knew. He said that. I was like, I already know. I could feel it. You could feel it rise up. Discernment kicked in, you know? You felt the spirit jump inside you. 
All of a sudden, you go from that scared place to, you know, and you know where you're going with it? Discernment. So I felt the Spirit of God just pushing on through, and I went. And then the next thing you find me doing is encouraging him. Now, the reason why it was important for me to encourage this believer wasn't necessarily just for him. is because his coworkers came up. You know how hard it is to witness your coworkers? Do you know how hard it is to ask them to go to church? So I pulled it out of him. I made him witness in front of his coworkers. Get this. And then I asked him where his church was. He told me the name. He gave me the address and everything else. I'm going to probably check that church out here soon. But here's the kicker. He got to do that right in front of them and in front of some of the people that were walking up to get served. They all heard about his church on the spot. I got him to broadcast the message of kingdom right there on the spot. And he's got, he just got so excited, didn't he, man? And so, you know, we shook took off, and in the, at the same time, I was extending tons of grace. I was letting other people go ahead of me or whatever. Listen, don't tell about Jesus if you're going to turn around the next person in line and go, get out of my way. And Jesus loves you, right, right. But he doesn't love the dude behind you, right? Act like Jesus if you're going to talk about Jesus. And so I let other people go ahead of me, and I know they thought that was weird because I was waiting, and I let them be served first at Ikea. Five hours. There's a reason why I took five hours. And the next thing I knew, we had a kingdom interaction where God got to talk to everybody that's in that circle. Isn't that cool? Patrick and I walked away. We're like, that's cool. That's fun. wonder what's next. You know, took a bad day and made it something. And then this week, there are just other places. I had a really tough week. It's been one of my worst weeks with allergies and everything else. But I just keep looking for Jesus. And so last night, we're at, we're at Outback Steakhouse. And we're sitting there, and I realized that there's a person we've been talking to a lot. It's the person that, you know, you guys know the story about the letter. I sent the letter in. And then Outback Steakhouse, they put it in their newsletter. And that Outback Steakhouse got put on the map, and they got all these awards. And, and the person be, became a manager that I talked about and all this other stuff. It was really cool. And so, anyways, anytime I go, like even last night, they give me free stuff. I try to pay for it. They don't let me, so I just tip really big, which they really like. They know me at Outback, man. You know, they walk up, they're like, I remember you. I'm like, I bet you do. That's a big tip, man. You know, I tipped you almost as much as the meal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I don't go to this for the food. I go because it's an experience. And when I get into an interaction, I go to teach the kingdom. And I have to make sure I do good at witnessing, even in the tip. Right? We at the vineyard, we believe in tipping good. So I'm sitting there. And God starts talking to me, and I realized it wasn't about me. So this person comes up, the manager now, and I just love her. And I'm sharing with her about what we're doing in Kenya. And here's what we're doing in Kenya. Guess what? This last week, Deho and I, we got to go. We got to put the money over. We sent the money over to be in the account so that we're starting our first pharmacy in Kenya, in Kegogi. How about them apples? And this pharmacy is going to actually help us get the medicines we need to the new clinic that the chief built because I wanted a clinic. He built it on his land with his money. How about them apples? This is having some kind of effect because the PM, the prime minister, contacted again this week and asked, his group said, please come by the 20th of April. I said, can't come, sorry. I'm not going this time. But the truth is, is that it's even having an effect because there's something going on in that small area that's actually changing a region. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom in, in business. It's the kingdom in entrepreneurs. It's the kingdom in churches. It's the kingdom in Kagogi, in Kisi. It's the kingdom. And so 
we went to do that and we got it all done and it just was phenomenal that was friday and last night we're at this outback and i thought i need to tell her that story and then i need to do something else so i told her the story and i got her to the close and i said because my whole goal this year is to take time to invest in people and make them a success even over me which is my new goal i want to see you guys be the biggest successes this year right which is why we, we sent off John and, and those guys music to the vineyard this last week. So I'm sitting there and she comes back up. She was taken away and she had a bad customer and she came back and then finally she's there for a moment. I said, listen, Regina, I need you to understand something. The reason why I'm telling you these things that I, we've just done is because you know what we're doing in Kenya and it excites you and you see how we're investing in people and I want you to know I want you on my list. I want to invest in you. What, what's something I can do as a friend to invest in your life that'll make you feel like a success this year? And she goes, are you serious? He gets down against the table and she goes, you know what I really want to do is I'd like just this random small thing. I'd like to see the arts or something creative affect the community. She said, like we're doing this pinwheel thing. We're, we're making these pinwheels and kids are drawing on it their idea of what peace looks like. And they're putting the pinwheel on a pencil and they're just sticking it up. And she said, we're doing it in the community so people can together creatively discuss peace. She goes, and it's on Earth Day, so it's kind of neat. Something like that. And I said, awesome. So here's what I want to do. I want you to pray about, or I want you to think about it. I said, pray. I keep it. I dial it back, you guys. I dial it way back. I said, I want you to think about how I can how I can interact with that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk away because I can tell you one thing you may not be able to do. You may not be able to go out and, and be your own fan or cheerleader and present yourself to others to get the community involved, but I can. I can be your biggest fan. So I want to become your biggest fan. And if this is something you want to do or something like it, I want to make it happen. Does that sound cool? And she's like, yes. So we get up to leave, and she says to us, I'm so glad you guys came. This is the best thing that could have happened tonight. You guys have encouraged me so much. And so I walked away with her coaster that she drew on and the notes we made. And now I'm praying about how we do it. Because the kingdom doesn't have to be weird. The kingdom doesn't even have to say it's the kingdom. When the kingdom comes and fully saturates a situation, your shadow can heal a person without your words. And I've seen people healed when we pray for them. And I've seen all kinds of healings, healings that people don't believe in anymore. You know that we've seen AIDS healed or whatever else healed. We've seen stuff in Kenya people don't believe in. We've seen lepers healed. We've seen lame walk. We've seen the deaf hear, the blind see. You, you know, okay? And if you don't, go with me to Kenya. They'll tell you themselves. The mute boy who was 13 years old will tell you himself his testimony because now he preaches all over. And nobody even taught him how to talk right. He just got it immediately. Are you kidding me? I've seen that. That's cool. I can't wait to see what happens whenever our shadows do it. Or whenever I'm just in Outback and I'm just talking to somebody and I'm just loving on them. And they turn around and they're like, oh my God, this is exciting. And then they go, oh, you know what? This used to be wrong with me and I'm healed of this. And then they recognize they're healed and we didn't even do anything. Because guys, the kingdom, the kingdom should be normal. It should be commonplace on the earth again. And when we walk in the balance of the radical harmony God's called us to as believers in the kingdom, the kingdom will saturate and it will become normal. 
You don't have to prove the kingdom by being weird. You don't have to pretend it doesn't exist anymore powerless because it just does. You get it? Today, that's the message I believe Jesus was trying to get across. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is within your reach. Just know it and be it and do it. You'll stand with me. What we're going to do today is just, I don't have, you know, usually I have, there might be three groups in here, and I, I go through different places you might be, and I'm not doing that today. All I'm doing is one simple thing. There's one simple call for the day. And this is, a, this is I'm telling you, this is what's burning in my gut for us as tapestry. The call is, is for us to be radically balanced in the kingdom. Radical balance. Radical, radical balance. The next move of renewing power of God is whenever Lisa walks in these interactions and sits at a table with Muhammad Yunus, who's a Nobel laureate, and is able to have interaction, and the guy doesn't even know, but woven in conversation is faith. And he's interacting with the kingdom. Maybe the only kingdom he gets to interact with. Or whenever feet are being washed and put into shoes brand new and loved on, feet that have never been loved on before, and people are not just interacting with the story of Jesus washing disciples' feet. They have Birchie holding and washing their feet. And the kingdom's just there. You get what I'm saying? I'm not soft on the kingdom. I'm hard on it. I'm white hot, fiery hot on the kingdom of God and all of its side effects. I'm not soft. I'll preach it to the day I die. I'll preach the weird and the, and the normal. I'm not soft on it. And at the same time, I am not weird. In the weirdness of flaky people. I'm tired of flaky Christianity. It is time that Christianity becomes the kind of Christianity it's always been called to be. The kind that disciples walked in. The kind that has the power of God with no objections and no apologies. And just is what they're called to be. Right? It's time. And that's the kind of stuff we function in, right? So today this is the simple call. This is the only call for the day. I'm calling you to just say, I am available and accessible to you, Papa, to be a normal Christian from now on. I'm available and accessible to be a normal Christian from now on. In every moment, in every place, everywhere I go, everything I say, everything I do. Not flaky, not frozen, normal. The real normal. The real radical balance. Let's pray. So as we bow our heads, just take a second. You have a conversation with Papa. I'll do it right now. God may talk to you as you're in the car. Like I said, that whole thing with repentance, that revelation thing, I can't make you do stuff. It just doesn't work. But if God's revealing it in your heart right now, or if he reveals it in your heart later, just pray for just a moment in that space of time and say, Papa, I want to be the new normal. I want to be the real normal, the ancient normal the original normal Christian. I'm be the original normal believer. The original normal person that follows the way. The true way. True truth. The true life, Jesus. I want to be normal. A normal disciple, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we pray those prayers across this room, I pray that you'll do that. You'll interact with our hearts. Lord God, it's not that you give us gifts anymore. I'm not asking for you to give us gifts. I'm asking for you to literally interact with us so that we don't have insecurities anymore about our place with you. 
that the insecurities of who we are will go. And then we will walk in kingdom. Let all of our fear of performance go. Let our fears that we may not be as good as someone else. Let our fears of not knowing our place, Jesus, in this or our role in the body go. And in this place with you, Papa, let us hear you whisper in our ears that you love us, that you're proud of us, that we're your children, that we're your kids. And in this place of fullness, where there's no rejection, may we find ourselves re-centered in who we're called to be. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for letting us be together today and for being with us. So move through the rest of this time in the service and help us to start being normal. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.